It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, the Renault Selection used car event, is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty, and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. They've arrived. Yes, they've touched down in Ireland. Are they the first? Swallows have been spotted this very morning. A little group of them. Have you seen any swallows or visitors from Africa in your area over the last few days? Or is that the first sighting that I'm reporting today on the 3rd of April? We're going to talk more about this a little bit later on in the show. But have you spotted swallows? There may be martins as well, house sand martins, whatever. They're all in the one uh, family of birds arriving in, starting to arrive at this time from Africa. Do let us know. We love to hear from you, especially across the northeast, Louth and Mead. Have you spotted them? Let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. If you want to call us, it's 1850. 715-958. We love to hear from you. Now we're starting with a real good news story this afternoon involving a young woman from County Mead. She's a research student at DCU and she's designed a groundbreaking home programme for rare lung disease patients, which is the first of its kind in Europe. Kira McCormick has just returned from Berlin where a protocol received huge acclaim at an international conference on pulmonary hypertension and she's on the line with me. Hello, Kira. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking our call today. Well, congratulations to you. This is a huge acknowledgement for you. Will you tell our listeners first, what is pulmonary hypertension? Well, Jerry, I suppose the name when people hear hypertension, they automatically think, oh, high blood pressure. Um, but actually, pulmonary hypertension, it's a severe and rare lung condition and basically affects the arteries that bring the blood from the heart to the lungs. And there's an increased pressure between the heart and lungs, which cause right heart disease. So a little complex, a <laughs> bit more than just your normal blood pressure, but it's pulmonary hypertension. So it affects both the heart and the lungs. How many people typically in Ireland at the moment would be living with this, do you know? So um, as it's quite a rare disease, it's in its kind of initial stages of being acknowledged. And I suppose in Ireland, there's only about 250 on the registers. But uh, what we feel is that a lot of this, um, there could be a lot more as it goes quite undiagnosed um, because it's quite a complex disease. How does it happen? Does it come about? Is it age uh, limited? Can you get it at a young age? Is it a disease of middle age or older age? What? So there's five different classes of how you might have pulmonary hypertension. 
Um, and I suppose the main ones are, it can be from if you've had left heart disease, so any cardiovascular disease, um, you may develop pulmonary hypertension. If you have something like lung disease, like COPD, a lot of patients then go on to develop pulmonary hypertension. It can also be due to idiopathic. And what that means is there's just no cause for it. Unfortunately, the individual just progresses and develops pulmonary hypertension. And this can happen at any age, you're saying. What are the symptoms? So someone might present uh, is their day-to-day living may be a bit limited by dizzy spells. They would have a shortness of, shortness of breath. Um, even just simple things of maybe bending down to tie the shoelace, this may induce a shortness of breath. They may feel fatigue. And a lot of it, they would have uh, swelling in the lower limbs and chest pain. So something similar that you might see in someone with uh, lung disease or heart disease as well. So quite similar symptoms. Come back to the heart because you make distinction between left and right. And obviously the link here you're talking about is between the lungs and the right heart. What happens to the heart with this? So the heart, the right heart is affected by this area. And what usually happens is the right heart becomes enlarged. So it's bigger than your normal size and your healthy size heart. And this causes an increased pressure, which develops and has uh, complications with it. Now, you have come up with something unique and special and it's been acknowledged now on a European scale. Tell us what you've uh, come to and, and, and what you're proposing to develop from here. So in Ireland, we currently have, we do not provide any sort of uh, rehabilitation for pulmonary hypertension patients. So unlike maybe if you had cardiovascular disease, you might go on to cardiac rehab. But in Ireland, we have nothing for our pH patients. So um, across the board, until recently, uh, exercise was not part of their therapy as it was seen that it may be uh, quite dangerous for these patients as it might cause a sudden heart attack. But actually, in recent years, research has developed and in Heidelberg in Germany, they've carried out um, an intense program of exercise rehabilitation for pulmonary hypertension patients and they've seen it's been very successful. So, unfortunately, in Ireland, we're not quite similar to Germany as in that we do not have the same healthcare system that can offer a lovely three-week in-house stay to provide this programme to patients. So I have travelled to Germany um, to see what they do over there, came back to Ireland and developed a model of a a pulmonary hypertension home programme that would fit into the Irish healthcare system. So I want to reduce the three-week in-stay because we don't have the facilities to offer that. So I've come up with a way to kind of mimic the burden of that by um, developing a three, so over a three-week period, I would see them for one day per week and provide education and training around exercise, lifestyle, behaviour changes, educating the patient on their disease and really giving them that self-empowerment so that they feel confident and ready to exercise when I send them home with a home week, or a 12-week home-based exercise programme. Well done you. You've customised and adapted and made something specially for patients here in Ireland. And it's proven when people go on to this programme from the German model and that as well, it makes a difference, doesn't it? Huge difference. Like, um, I suppose anyone that suffers from a chronic disease, one thing that is hugely impacted is their quality of life. And for me, this programme really, and in Germany, what has been shown that it can have significant improvements in the person's quality of life. 
for someone to be able to bend down and tie their lace, do the simple daily activities without getting those uh, symptoms of breathlessness is massive. And this program has shown that after a couple of weeks of training, improvements in their quality of life, their exercise capacity, so that meaning that they can walk a little further, uh, even whether it be to the shops or more, and improvement in their functional capacity. So overall, across the board, in every aspect of their health, it can have significant improvements. So you are now moving this on here back home in Ireland. Just tell us a bit about yourself. What, what's your, your uh, status as regards your studies and college at the moment? Yeah, so I am a clinical exercise physiologist um, and I studied sports science and health in DCU. Um, and that was my undergraduate uh, degree. And then I went on to get offered uh, a master's scholarship in the area of cardiac rehabilitation. And now I am currently following on to finish with a PhD. So my area is clinical exercise physiology, specifically in the area of chronic disease rehabilitation. Terrific. <laughs> oh, it's, it's fantastic. It really is. And we follow your progress uh, from your start as an undergraduate and you're moving on. And what another fantastic qualification you're going to have. A lot of people like this, and we've been looking at the reaction to it. Uh, obviously, as well, when somebody's backing you to the tune of €100,000, you've hit on something. Yes, well, that's it. Um, so I've re- successfully received funding, as like anything, it needs money to get going. So uh, we have received funding from um, a pharmaceutical company, um, Actillion, which uh, specialise in the area of pH. So they specialise in rare diseases, and pH is one of them. Um, unfortunately, everyone with pH will need to be on some sort of medication. So the um, exercise therapy is to, you know, in combination with medical therapy, and they have nicely granted us some funding to carry out this um, important research. So you hope to get up and running quite soon? Yeah, so it's been a bit of a long process, I suppose. It takes time to get things going, and we've just received uh, ethical approval from both DCU and the Matter Hospital. So um, we're hoping to start now recruiting and getting the word out within the next eight weeks. All going well. It's a frightening situation to find yourself in in life when you have this condition. And you mentioned a simple task that we take for granted. We tie our shoelaces. Any little movement or exercise leaving you breathless. When you take something like you have here now and give that to somebody, it is effectively like a new lease of life, isn't it? It is. And it's. I suppose for these patients in particular, there's nothing out there at the moment for them and they are all on medication treatment so this is just something that can give them that little bit extra to help improve the quality of life and we all know that exercise for anyone is so beneficial across the board your mood your physical function and everything so again these patients are no different to anyone else so exercise can only improve and make a difference in their life the uh, you said yourself earlier uh, there are several hundred patients known who live with pulmonary hypertension at the moment and there are more I'm sure there are that uh, are out there the unit in the uh, Matter Hospital uh, run by Sean Professor Sean Gain there is it from there you'll receive the referrals is that the way it's going to work? Yeah, so um, I'll work, me and Sean and his team have worked closely uh, together and what we will do is, it's similar to something like cardiac rehab where you get referral from your unit, 
that will be the same. So I will attend clinic and screen a potential participant for the study and then we'll invite them to come along to uh, engage in the study if they wish. But yeah, they'll all, because it's the only pH unit uh, in Ireland and it's the only place you can go to actually get uh, diagnosed properly from it, we will take patients from there um, and bring them onto the programme. They may be from all over Ireland, but that's where their base is, is in the Matter Hospital in Dublin. Okay, let me uh, read this lovely message we've got. Hi, Jerry and Louise. Delighted to hear Kira on your show. I had a massive heart attack in December 2017, but I'm doing great now. I've been part of Kira's cardio exercise programme. I did the seven week course and just started a second course. She is some young woman for one woman. Well done. <laughs> Done, Kira, for all your achievements. Thank you for helping me on my recovery journey. Fondest regards. That comes in from Claire in Navin. Oh, I take it you know you. who that is. Uh, oh, I us. do. Um, yeah, I actually, on top of the PhD, I I do a, a bit more. So I've just uh, started up um, phase four cardiac rehab per, uh, classes um, in Navin, and so I get referrals from either. Uh, phase three in Navin Hospital uh, from Daisy, which everyone who has gone through will know her very well, or a GP referral. So um, I'm also qualified as a cardiac rehab instructor. Um, so what I do is after they've gone through in-house uh, rehab, I they come out into community. And often what they find is when they're out on their own, they maybe don't feel as safe to exercise or they fall maybe back into old habits. So I've devised a programme and run a, a programme in Navin um, for anyone to, who has had some sort of ca- cardiovascular disease to come along to exercise in a safe um, and a friendly environment. I have to say it's wonderful because I can speak from experience. I went through that programme myself about 11 years ago and uh, I know how beneficial it is in the aftermath of an incident like that. And that's a lovely comment there. Thank you, Claire, uh, for that lovely comment to us this afternoon. Um, You're a Navin woman, yes? I am indeed, yeah. (laughs) And where did you go to school in Navin? Um, So primary school was St. Anne's um, and secondary school was Loretto. And was this always on your mind, this field that you're excelling in now? Um, Well, it's a long story, but uh, yeah, I've always had an interest, I suppose, in helping people. I just maybe didn't know in what form. Um, And I suppose I started off in something totally different within the first few weeks of college, which was common entry science and I knew this was not the road for me, so I successfully spoke or talked my way into getting a place in sports science and health. And I suppose over the years in DCU, um, I developed a keen interest in exercise as treatment and it, it, to help improve people's quality of life. And I suppose I used to work in Navin Hospital myself um, well, during my college uh, terms and it used to bug me so much to see everyone lying in the bed and I used to want to take them out walking and moving and exercising. So I think from that, uh, all my experiences through the years and just knowing the impact, uh, you know, getting people moving and introducing some sort of activity into their life, whether they have a chronic disease or not, how beneficial and how it can improve their overall life is, yeah, it's really important to me and I suppose I'm just following that passion. I could see how you could talk your way in anyway. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) One other thing I want to talk to you about for a moment before we finish up. You also were involved, you're such a busy girl, I have to say, uh, giving talks to senior citizens about healthy living. 
Yeah, so I often, as I said, I like to talk, so I like to get the word out there. I've given uh, many um, presentations and workshops to uh, older adults and in particular active retirement groups. Um, so whether it be a call from them themselves or I've done um, some work with Healthy Ireland to uh, promote a healthy lifestyle. So I you go around giving my famous talk of age well, age healthy. So it's a combination of... Um, presentation you know on lifestyle uh, for as we age and then I have a little bit of crack at the end with some chair-based exercise classes um, so um, I do that as well um, and yeah I was then in Dunchocklin recently with the active retirement group down there um, and over in Nobber as well which was great fun. Mm, it's very important as well to emphasise again that exercising right through life is just so important isn't oh, it? huge and I think people disregard how important it is I know even Claire will allude to this if she's still listening like just you're even able to walk you know feeling all together is what they say in the programme I feel all together now you know they're able to their mobility is improvement and their functional improvement and their balance which I suppose is huge as we get older because your increased risk of falls and as we age, you know, unfortunately, we lose muscle mass and our ability to move as well. So exercise can help maintain that and also help it progressing at a rapid rate. So, again, this has um, knock-on effects of increasing a person's independence and keeping it for longer so that they're not restricted or need home help and they're able to get up off the chair. And exercise can have so many benefits for them. So it's so important uh, that we keep exercising all the way through life. That word independence for as long as possible in your life is just crucial. And I think the equation says exercise equals independence. And uh, yeah. just to keep that in mind as well, look, you're brilliant. And what you've achieved and the backing you're getting and the accolades you're receiving at the moment for what you're doing, bringing something unique to Ireland and developing it for a population of people that this means so much to. I think it's wonderful, wonderful. And I wanted to just catch up with you today and say well done to you. Well, thank you so much and I really appreciate you giving the opportunity to come on the show as well. Not at all, Kira, And we'll talk again, I'm sure, down the road because I love talkers like you. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> thank you very much. Congratulations, Kira. Thank you for joining thank me on the show. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wouldn't it do your heart good when you reflect at times on all the negative news and the trouble we have in all our communities in Ireland and... We wake up every day to bad news and there is a young woman who's just a shining example and she's just one of many, many shining examples of young people who are simply brilliant and that we're producing in this country and who are making a real difference to life in the country. That raises my spirit, lifts my heart. A heart, and I, I say again, well done, Kira McCormick. Congratulations on a wonderful achievement. Isn't she fantastic? I'm in great spirits. It set me on the right path for the rest of the day. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Eureka, John's been on. Two swallows he spotted in Kells this morning in the Kells area. Anybody else see a swallow or an arrival from Africa yet? I mentioned it at the top of the show. We're going to be talking about it a little bit later on on Late Lunch this afternoon. If you've seen them in Lowther, me, the surrounding counties, let us know. We love to keep a track on this each year when they arrive. It just 
they're the harbingers of spring and summer, aren't they, when they come back to Ireland? So Kells is on the map for the swallows arriving and it's only the 3rd of April. It's cool weather, I have to say, and I hope there's enough in terms of food for them, insects flying about, because that's what they rely on. But more about that, Anon. Do you like them, Louise? Do you love what, you know, when they arrive? Do they nest around your house at all, no? A few of them. We have birds everywhere. We've nested yeah. in the house and the roof. But you know roof, the mud everything. nests. You know the yeah. mud nests in the. Do you do you get those? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love We've them. Got three or four of them actually. Had you? Mm. Oh, listen. I love them. I know some people say, "Oh, I don't like them around the base." That I think they're fantastic. And once there's a, a habitat for them that they can build the nest on, I why have. Do, why do people not like them? Some people don't like them because there's you know when they're in the nest with the young ones, there's a little bit of bird poo on the ground and we're they're covered. noisy in and out. But what about it? I have starlings outside my back door. They've got into the face. That's the thing I was to say. They can't nest in my house because the PVC, they've got to be able to stick the nest. And if it's PVC, they can't. It falls off. You know yeah. what I mean? I've seen them building it and it's fallen away and they haven't come back to my house. But if they build, leave them alone. They're absolutely lovely. So- I saw somewhere to put, you know, if you have a dog and the hair yeah. that falls off the dog. Mm. So leave the, the hair outside and it's great for building nests. Oh, they'll pick it up and they'll build the, the starlings in. They're bringing everything and anything into the fascia so they are to, to build for the young ones. And they build there every year and I, I could block it off but I don't because I just love nature and I love that they're there as well. And you have a bit of board poo for a few weeks and a little bit of noise now but what about it? It teaches the little one. I'd be showing, talk, sitting with Ava looking at them going in and out and showing her what it's all about as well. Another thing I wanted to mention on the show today and I don't know whether anyone else has spotted it. I live on the north side of Drogheda, Ballamackenny Road, and we have three schools. We have a college and two primary schools. The amount of children this morning cycling to school, it, dude, honestly, I, I just noticed it. So many bicycles, so many children on them. I think it's fantastic to see that children are on bikes, others walking as well to school, rather than being driven up to, do- to the door in a 4x4 four four from 100 yards you away. Get you know what I mean? Anyway. You get there much quicker. But great, just, I don't know whether anyone else has noticed it, but in our area, loads of children cycling. Now, I know the cycling lanes on the road there, which is fantastic, great and helpful. Mightn't but be the same in country schools. No, if you live like half a mile out from your house, Jerry, like... That, that road is very windy oh. and bendy. Like, would you even see a child attempt no, to... No, I, I you tell know, which you. is wrong as well. I mean, it only starts mm. at the town and that's it. Yeah, urban areas are starting to cater more for the bicycles. I, I have to say this. I'd be reluctant to tell anybody to head off on a bike or send a child to school on a bike on some of the roads outside. I can only talk about the town here. I'm sure it's the same outside Navin, Dundalk, Kells, Trim, etc. The roads are lethal. If I, they I, wobble at all with the car coming high speed... I think they're lethal. We're not geared up for that. That is for sure uh, in the rural area. And I'd be afraid to tell anybody to go cycling on our roads today because... Which is wrong because we have such a lovely countryside. We have, but we're... To be able to be out there. Just not right for it. And I suppose in, in a way we need to get it right in the urban areas for us to encourage people not to be driving their cars around mm. towns and built up areas. Take a bike, walk, True. you know, make a difference. Here's the fellow that's talking and he drives five minutes from home <laughs> most days. But it is great to see children on the hoof, walking, exercising, cycling, going to school as well. Just something I was sitting there in a traffic jam. Are they all wearing helmets, Jerry? Uh, yeah, most of yeah, them wear, good. I have to say as well. The helmet's important. It it's is. very important, but a lot of kids, you know, yeah, take I know them off they, and you're not looking. They don't want to wear them, but if they get a fall, it can be absolutely lethal. You need to get the helmets on if they're out on the bikes as well. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio, still to come on the show. He's bidding farewell to Dundalk soon. Yes, Father Michael Cusack is coming up on Late Lunch this afternoon. Susan Oakes is here. She's... Uh, a very interesting lady. Interviewed her back in 2016 and the month after I interviewed her she had a serious incident in her life. She's going to tell us about it on the show. 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. Our fifth finalist into the hat in the Scotch Hall Shopping Centre Holiday of a Lifetime giveaway in association with LMFM is Teresa Fox from Carrick Macross. Well done to you, Teresa. Uh, you're in the holiday draw. You've also won already a €100 Euro Scotch Hall gift card. And don't forget, any time you call into Scotch Hall, there's 50-plus shops there. And if you spend €25 Euro or more, you go into the hat to win a holiday worth €5,000. The destinations include a Caribbean cruise for two, trip to Las Vegas for a couple as well, or a trip for two adults and two children to Lapland. You decide where you go. So get your entry into the draw located in Scotch Hall and stay tuned to us here in LMFM to see if you're one of the lucky finalists. And the draw takes place. The overall draw for all the finalists is May 18th. Well done again to Teresa uh, from Carrick Macross, Teresa Fox. Now I'll say to you, I don't know what I'm going to do when he goes because he's been a mainstay of late lunch since he came to the Redemptress in Dundalk many moons ago. You know him so well. It's Father Michael Cusack and he's back with me today because the countdown to his departure is well and truly on. Father Michael, good to see you again. Great to see you, Jerry, and great to be here with you with your listeners in LMFM. Now you're in for a specific reason today because you're having a bit of a shindig uh, before you go, but there's a real focus and purpose to this there is yeah as you know I mean, I'm, I'm very bad at goodbyes and I hate I hate leaving and, and I don't know if anyone that really enjoys leaving anything but um, as the date for my um, departure from Dundalk was approaching people were saying oh will you come out for a meal with us here and there and how are we going to do this that and the other and I thought look at I, I, I really I don't need an extra kilo I'm, 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 I'm burdened down with weight already. It's been a battle and I, I prefer to do something uh, that would benefit the whole community. And so I came up with the idea of having a farewell fundraiser because throughout my time in Dundalk, I suppose one of the, the great things that I've been part of and and pushed and witnessed and uh, and been heavily involved in has been fundraising for the different local charities. I mean, the charity sector um, throughout the country, as you know, is the mainstay of of most people, so many people's lives. If it wasn't for the the little um, senior citizens gathering alone that we have below in St Joseph's as the seniors club on a Monday, where the local community can come in, the elderly pay three euro just as a little offering, and they get their tea and their buns and their tarts and their they get a dance and a bit of music and a bit of fun and togetherness. From that. Right up to the care of the of the the homeless, like in the Simon community. Um, uh, anyway, I said I, I want to do I want to tap into that goodness. Um, it's been the goodness of of the Dundalk people and the surrounding area that have kept me sane. I suppose for the past twenty years, I arrived in Dundalk in ninety nine, um, and I've seen the immense good that's there. And a bit like I was listening to your earlier program there with Kira, and you're saying you know the the world can be overshadowed with negativity, and it's great to get good news stories. So I. I don't want to be crying uh, when I'm leaving. I'd prefer to be saying, look, at this is a gift. This is your gift. And it's, it's what it's what you do best in this area is caring for each other. And I can see, I mean, it's been amazing just trying to set this up because um, the first thing I needed was a venue. So I would go in the car out to the Carrickdale and I thought, you know, how much is it going to be? Or how, what's I got the venue for nothing. Um, John McPartland out there, fantastic, you know, to give and always lend support to so many great causes. And uh, uh, he, he 
he set that part of it up. Then I had to get a printer. Off I went down to Richard Mackin at Print Express and poor Richard, I'd shame him any day. Uh, I'd say, look, you'll throw me this poster for free. So that the printing came in free. Then I needed a band and I thought, well, well, they had told me in the hotel that you have to pay for a band, you know, and it'll be X amount and X amount. And so a band called Us, who were actually the mainstay of many, many weddings uh, 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, decided to reform for the night and they are rehearsing day and night. They're apparently very, very good. I've heard from so, so many. It's like, it's like, take that mark three, let's say. <laughs> but I'm absolutely thrilled. They said throughout their time they'd always wanted to do a charity gig and here was an opportunity to benefit three very good charities. So the charities will be supporting that. Literally now, Every shilling. The tickets are €20, uh, but every shilling of that €20 is divided in three and goes to these three charities. Now, we're going to talk about those in a minute. I just want to remind people, it's happening on Saturday, April 13th in the Carrickdale at 8 o'clock. It's going to be a super night. And us, I know so many people remember them. You're right over the years. They were a mainstay and they're coming back together for one night only for Father Michael. Where can tickets be got before we talk about the charities? Tickets can be got in several locations. Well, the the Birches... uh, Centre out in uh, Hanlon Transport in Greenore, um, in Lally's on the Coast Road in Dundalk, at the Redemptorist Monastery, um, they can be got there. And the uh, hotel and the itself, Car- the Carrickdale as well. Yeah, they have a number of tickets there and at the, the reception. Birches. And the birches, and and uh, and I'd be flogging on the steps of the church on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, if you go to mass on Sunday, I'm not putting you off for anything, but no. you'll you'll be leaving with tickets. That's for sure. So yeah, just be yeah. ready this Sunday for it. Um, let's talk about these vi- charities that are very special to you. Starting with the birches. Well, the birches, yeah, the birches has been a charity that that I have been associated with ever since I went to Dundalk, really, because of one of my own community members, Father Sean Horgan, whose brother Pat. Uh, is still with us there in St. Joseph's. But Sean at the time began to show signs of dementia and uh, we didn't know where to turn. And I knew that there was this person who I went to school with, Olive Joyce, who's an absolute saint, you know, and runs the Birch's Alzheimer's Daycare Centre. All I had to do was contact Olive and she said, leave it to me. So that began a relationship of trust and care for for Father Sean that allowed him to have moments, it wasn't every day but certain days, a bit of respite for himself and for us, you know, who were trying to care for him and watch out for him Um, as you know the Birches set up because four men back in in 1995 came together doing a bit of fundraising but all the while in the Redemptorist Monastery in Dundalk there was a group meeting as a support group for families who had uh, a a family member with dementia or with Alzheimer's. And Alzheimer's was really a new phenomenon then, you know. Um, but they, they, they came about this idea of fundraising um, Sean Lawless and John Higgins, uh, Sean Keenan and Brian Murphy, the four of them. And they did a phenomenal job on fundraising. They actually raised 10,000 in one night, which is my hope. Uh, my hope that's your be aim for you. Even night. more. No, I think yeah. I'm going to get more, ah, more get than more. that uh, on, on that night. But that's what they did. And then uh, back in, 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 there was a public meeting then in the Imperial Hotel in 1998 for this group and for anyone who was had concerns about family members with dementia or um, with Alzheimer's and of course there was a huge turnout and that 
set the wheels rolling for the opening of the Birches, which was in April of uh, two th- um, April of 2000. So since that, I mean, there's so, so many families oh, have been helped. I'm just thinking about what you said there about in your own community with one of your uh, fellow priests and what it meant to you. You can imagine the amount of families that the Birches have offered, you know, a break for people. And I mean that in the best possible mm-hmm. sense. You know, when somebody is living with dementia or whatever, that they can go there and they're looked after so well. It's uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful oh, charity. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and you know, people love their family members. And, yes. and the more you love them, the more difficult it can become to even try to find patience to deal with the, with, with your loved one in difficult moments as their, as their moods change and as their attitudes change. And you don't know whether it's hap- whether it's real or whether it's because of the sickness. But there you get respite and you get that little bit of space that allows you to feel that you're not being dragged down as well. But above all, that your loved one has been bought up and supported by all that they do and funding is always needed you know Aye. I don't know I'm, have you had Jerry Murphy in here Jerry's wife Molly died she was in our parish as well Jerry's wife died um, last year the year before maybe now but Jerry has become a mainstay of fundraising for them and he has hunted down the HSC and the politicians and he has raised and now in a five year plan the possibilities of their funding being lifted from somewhere like 30% up to 70% yes. and you know I, you know and I and I know this that all of these special areas of care I 100% believe the government should be funding mm. 100% funding and let the rest go for for little comforts around um, around the care of of the elderly but this is an area that government money the money of the state should be spent not being flogged and wasted in so many other areas and that is something that annoys me intensely you know when you look at when you look at so many desperate cases a bit like a bit like that fantastic group that's in Newry um, that brings home people who, who have died. Uh, the Kevin Bell repatriation. The Kevin Bell repatriation. Like, mm. I have a deep belief that any Irish citizen abroad should be brought home at the cost of the state. You know, when families, the last thing a family needs when they're faced with a death or a bereavement and somebody, some tragedy abroad, is to have to start um, searching about ways of getting them home. And that's where the, the that um, foundation where is fantastic. Where would we be, Michael, in Ireland without the charity sector and people like the people you've mentioned there, minute ago, we'd be absolutely lost and the state can say what it likes. It's taken up the slack uh, for the state, which you say there, I couldn't agree with you more that they should be providing. Let's move on to your second charity, Dundalk. Do you want to say one more about the Al- no, about the budget? Dundalk Simon Community. Well, what can you say about these wonderful well, people that hasn't been said already? Well, the Simon Community, I mean, they're another group that struggle because because they have a, they have a lot set up there back since 1973 in Dundalk when they set up in Francis Street. They then moved into Barrick Street and they're now providing a 30 bed unit there for emer- emergency accommodation uh, with a further three little bungalows there for people with with greater needs. And then, of course, round the whole area here, Drogheda, Dundalk, mm-hmm. there's 17 transitional houses. Yes. Um, you have the, the, the centre down in Seatown, which offers continued support for those who are already housed and they can drop in there and, and meet with their, their key workers, you know. And then, of course, York Street um, in Dundalk, which at the moment is under renovation, the Simon Shop. And thanks to Frank McArdle, who's a fantastically good man, he gave, gave a space down a park 
Street for them to continue um, their sale of their of their stuff through the Simon Shop. They they give breakfasts and lunch in in the place in Seatown for for their kids, and all of that is funded for privately. I mean, none of that is is state funded. Mm. So there's always a, a, an amount of space that has to be taken up and made up in terms of donations, and that's where maybe businesses you know that have this excess of of food and sandwiches and all it's a scandal to see the amount that's wasted. But thankfully, there are groups that seem to be tapping into that. that. And I know that there's great goodness in those, those groups. All it takes is a bit of intelligence, really. And that's lacking in a lot of places. This PC world we live in can very often lack an intelligence streak that would say, well, actually, this could be well used by another grouping. And we could gather one another and pick each other up in a, in a better way. Absolutely. I want to take a short break. The third charity you're going to hear about in a moment. Thank you for your questions for Father Michael and comments. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. If you care to call, it's 1850-715-958. How long is Father Michael in Dundalk, Jerry? Yeah. Well, I arrived in Dundalk in, in 1999. I was first put in as, as uh, superior in the community there. It seems a long time back and uh, I did a six-year term then. And then I was away from Dundalk for six years came back in 2011 mm. so it's a 20 year span really but it's 14 years as rector in the community Yes I met you first in 2011 on your return here's another one I'm so so sorry to hear Father Michael is leaving us he's at the heart of so much in Dundalk and is a shining and true example of all that's good in the Catholic Church and all that a priest should be thank you for that lovely comment I have more I'll get to them in a moment come on to your third charity the Maria Goretti Foundation oh, yeah. This is a fantastic charity and by a wonderful family I don't know if you knew John Hanlon I did I, uh, No I didn't know did John, John sadly John but I do know his family who have really done him proud Oh absolutely yeah. and John I knew John for years back because John has been a, just a, a very very generous uh, supporter of the Redemptorists throughout the years and the foreign missions and uh, it came as no surprise to me you know when I heard of of the um, foundation that they set up the Maria Gretti Foundation and that was because of a neighbour of John's uh, Jodie Trainer, who's a, a girl with special needs and John recognising in his own good kind heart you know the difficulties that that family ha- experienced in caring for Jodie the challenges that were before them and of course they did it day in day out like so so many families care for children with special needs or th- take on that extra challenge uh, of loving in difficult circumstances he responded by dreaming up uh, a place of respite that would give the children a secure place to be while their parents might take a bit of time away so it's respite for both but above all providing the best of a home from home uh, building uh, where where um, children could feel safe and families could feel safe within that community. So out in Lordship, they built this wonderful place, the Maria Gretti Foundation. And it now uh, uh, tends to 85 families in the area, giving them respite and giving them hope. It was built back in, in 2013. And uh, it's fantastic to see the work that's done there. And my heart bleeds when I look at the stresses that families are under in those circumstances. And yet the, the abundance of love that they wrap around these kids and uh, it's it's just it's just a fantastically good foundation and if you know the Hanlons I mean they are just they're ordinary good living folk that that do their best and make a difference and they're a bit like the people that you're talking that do your heart good you know they're the people that with the people in the Simon community and the Birches and and so many others who are in the voluntary sector in terms of of the giving that 
allow me to know how wonderful the world is that we live in, you know, notwithstanding the wrongs that have happened in different places. And, you know, when when you when I talk of church today, this is church for me. All of these are part of of the bigger church, you know, of, of goodness that's there. People who respond with their hearts to in need. Now, they, they are picking up the slack in so, so many ways in this country. We'd collapse if it wasn't for that goodness and that generous mm. giving. And that's why I like to tap into it and push it. And I am shameless, absolutely shameless when it comes to asking for things. I will take spot prizes. I will take auction items. I will take... 2000 I'll take every shilling you got in the lotto and we'll make good use of it because I'll pass it on I'll pass it on to these people who work with this stuff so well mm. Oh my god what a night this is going to be on Saturday April 13th at the Carrickdale Hotel tickets are 20 euro this is going to be sold out many times over the novena won't be worth going to without Father Michael there says a oh, listener will. today it will, it will, it will. We have new arrivals coming to the community. Yes. You know, before Michael there was the novena and after Michael there'll be the novena and we have new members joining our community. We have one new member today, Father Derek Ryan arrived. He's home from Mozambique, a young man. Uh, he's now the baby in the community so I could throw out my <laughs> rattle and get out of the paper and start moving on. But uh, he's he's from um, Ratmaline in County Mead, the fantastic young man and he's joining the community. There so, you go. So yeah. there is. And, and that is the thing about life. The clock turns... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. People move on, but you know something? This goes on, and it really does. Listen to this one. I know this fellow well. I'm delighted to hear from him today. Wishing you all the best for the future from Noel Alderson. It's all the free plants from Woody's. That's help, Noel says. Can I tell you about Noel Alderson? He was the most difficult opponent I ever played against in badminton, and I played against great ones. But I'll tell you one thing. You wouldn't get by Noel at the net with a shuttlecock, that's for sure. Well, have you heard him singing? No. I, he sang at a wedding recently for me, yeah. That and man, his talent knows fantastic. no end, does and it? And dead plants that he had dumped out the back <laughs> and managed to breathe oh, life back We're into them, Noel. Have to dip Noel, them. No, no, Noel, if I manage to turn around those little plants and they're beautiful, there's one magnolia that's an absolute, absolute joy well, to behold. Well, if Father couldn't do it, the resurrection with the plants, who could? <laughs> Noel, he doesn't mean any of that. We don't... <laughs> <laughs> Noel, Noel will take it as it's Ah, uh, Noel, great to hear from you today. <laughs> Lovely to hear from you, Noel. Best wishes to Father Michael from the terrible twins who you met when you came to work in the Ballymac on your holidays in 1981. Oh my God, yeah. I worked there in 1981 back in the Ballymac. Yeah, fantastic. Oh no, the twins. Yeah, uh, my, my two great friends, Joan Finnegan and Maura Regan, who are uh, worked in the bar with me there. And we, we've been friends since 1981 we've we've journeyed together and sat together and drank together and had a bite to eat together so mm. it's great to connect that way with people it really is jerry don't forget to mention the birch's coffee morning on the 24th of april we're delighted to mention it and we'll mention it again for you i promise you oh, i'll be up the day before that okay please, actually he is he's yeah. coming in to say his final farewell to us the day before that whatsapp hi there is there any truth in the rumor that father cusack is leaving the priesthood entirely 
Oh, no, no, no. Well, no, no, there isn't any truth in it. But I mean, who knows? <laughs> Have you an offer if you have a job? <laughs> A job. I'd go on that Caribbean crew, cruise, you know. There was a bit of a fake news story went out that I was going to the diocese in Galway. I'm actually, I am going to take leave. I'm going to take time out, you know, just okay. just to rest. And I mean, you take time out just to try and gather yourself back together again. I have a friend from school um, and we were gathered there a couple of months back and he asked me something about what, what was I going doing? And I said, I'm going to take some time out. And he banged his pint down and he says, no, he used an expletive that I can't use here. And he says, what the beep is time out? I said, it's something you can't have as a father of five. So um, I'm in a very privileged position. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, he has plans ahead and doesn't he deserve a break for the time he's put in and all he's been involved with? I'll mention it again. This big night is happening on Saturday, April 13th. And Father Michael would love to see all his friends there, as many as possible. It's in the wonderful Carrickdale Hotel. Starts at eight o'clock. The band are reformed us just for one night and one night only and remember those charities again every single euro this is not costing anything to stage no. there's no money going anywhere else it's going three ways between the Birch's Alzheimer's Daycare Centre Dundalk Simon Community and the wonderful Maria Goretti Foundation 20 euro it's a snip at that and even if you're not going if you'd like to give a donation if you want to put up a spot prize as he said himself yeah. I'll be unashamed and say support this great night here they're still coming yeah, all these no, comments in fantastic I mean, with the prize, even before I came here, somebody somebody gave me a call to say that they were going to put a bicycle into the auction. I have a Celtic jersey signed by Heinrich Larson. Is that what you call him? Yes, Henrik Larson. Henrik Larson. Signed by him and any of the Celtic groups out there. Now, it's framed and signed. It's back, I think, from whatever year he was with them. But it's a a Celtic jersey signed by him. And that's one of the prizes that'll be up there. Hoping to have a Dundalk jersey. I'm dangerous saying that here. Maybe there's a draw out of one as well. Oh, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they send you one of the centenary jerseys? A very special one for the 100 years. I'm sure that can be organised as well, just to be diplomatic. (laughs) And Jerry, you were to get me tickets to go to the magician. They disappeared. (laughs) You never got them for me. He sent me a text. You've never let me down ever, but I have to bring that up with you because I it is. I forgot all about. I it. know, and we're going through. We're going through Lent and all that, and it's time for you to be more contrite. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going. Keith Barry's coming fishing with me soon. All right, well. and I know he's going out to America after that, but I will promise you this: the next show, and you're on your sabbatical. I'll be in touch with you. Don't worry. We will ensure that you're at Keith Barry next time around. Is that? And That's I'm making that commitment, and I won't let you down on that okay, one. Okay. Well, the I, listeners are going to hold you to that. They'll one, have okay? to hold me to yeah. it now. Listen to this: Father Cusack, Jerry, does such a lot of work that goes unnoticed. At a time in my life when I was very low, he helped me, and I will be forever grateful to him. Thank you, whoever you are, for sending that message there's another one oh the novena Jerry oh the novena what are we going to do Michael anyway as he said himself there are new men coming and there will be plenty of interesting topics at the novena again this autumn when it comes round but look he's not leaving the country I think at the minute I'm not sure from what he said but I, I, I take it he's just not in the short term but remember again the 13th of April Saturday is the day and again tickets available from the Redemptorist office Carrickdale Hotel Hanlon Transport the Birch's Daycare Centre 
and Lally's on the Coes Road. If you can't get a ticket, there's no excuse. Oh no, the, we and as I say, we, we 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 really want to sell all of these tickets just to bring in as much as we can and max it out for them. I think Louise picked this song to finish out today for you. We'll see you again before you actually go. Heavenly day from Picture House. It is any time. Michael well, is here. Let me tell you, they, they played Saints and Sinners in another <laughs> channel recently, and I said, "Well, I'm both." <laughs> Michael, see you soon. Thank you. Thanks a million. Morning, but it's raining everything you've ever said. Yeah, this morning, the way it's falling, nothing's landing on my head. Hey, there's a cloud, gray, the lining is shedding. Can I touch my day? It's rising to the wedding, and you, me, and everybody I know is waving us away. It's a heavenly I met my next guest back in August 2016 and I remember the interview well. She's a pioneering side saddle rider, the holder of several world records, including the world's highest jump at seven feet. And in that conversation back then, the world was her oyster. Everything was going so well. She had so many wonderful plans for the future. A month later, her life changed and changed forever. And she's back with me on Late Lunch today to tell the story. Susan Oakes, it's really good to see you. Thank you so much for having me here. Not at all. Thank you for coming in to us. A month later, you're in New York. What are you doing in New York? I was invited over to jump in Central Park Horse Show in New York. Oh, Central Park. Yes. Unbelievable is right. Unbelievable. So you're over there, you're jumping, you're taking part, all's good. What happened? I was warming up for my um for the competition in Long Island and my saddle broke and I landed on my feet like if I dismounted the horse and whatever way the shock went up through my feet it created two bleeds on my brain. Now, the way you tell me that, it wouldn't be unusual for you to land like this. It wasn't from an enormous height or anything, was it? No, it wasn't from a huge height at all. It was, for me, it was like a freak accident. And what did you feel immediately? You you had two bleeds on your brain, was it? Yeah, I have no recollection of anything. You were out of it, were you? Out of it. Just like that? Like that. There and the next minute, gone? Gone. (laughs) And when did you have recollection? When was the next time you remember something? I remembered probably a few a week or so after that I really came back to have my like mind that I was able to remember and t- talk and yeah. So see. a consciousness came back, back after a week. Yes, I take it you're intensive care in hospital in New York. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was in two different hospitals. I was transferred from one hospital to another and it was a very serious yes. injury. Absolutely. Do you remember that time coming to? Have you any memory of that? Who you saw? Did you realise Do you realise that you're gone for a week and you just come back? It's all pretty much a blur for maybe a few months. The whole few months around that is really a blur. Okay, yeah. because 
your speech went. You, you weren't able to talk? Yeah, I lost my speech, my eyesight in my left eye and all my left side is like, it was like if I had a stroke. Paralysis. Yes. What about your memory? My memory is was wasn't great at that time and look over the last two and a half years it comes it's coming back slowly uh like things like facebook and seeing pictures reminds me of different things so how long did you spend in hospital and how long did you spend in the states before you could fly they i was there for i think they say five or six weeks before i could fly home were you anxious to get back home at that stage? Well, because you have such a serious brain injury, you're not really with it, to be honest. Still at that Still stage, at that you stage. felt that you just hadn't a grasp, grasp of, of everything. anything. Yeah. But I was lucky that when I flew home, my parents were so good to me and took me home. They minded you. <laughs> yeah, they, they really did. And did you bit by bit realise then what had happened uh, to you? Yeah, at that point, when I couldn't really communicate with people as well as I wanted to, and my eyesight and my balance was really bad. Um, if I wanted to walk across the road, I was it, it was very difficult because I couldn't see, judge the traffic coming and different things like that. I couldn't see the distance and different things, so it was very intra- like very hard. You knew your mum and dad. Did you know people? Did you know your your I family knew members? The, yeah, my family members. But if some people came up to me in the street or different things, it might not just automatically register who they were or how I knew them. And did that frustrate or annoy you? Or do you just take it as it is and get on with it? There was a huge amount of frustration. It was so, so frustrating because I couldn't, I may have looked okay, but inside I didn't feel okay. So, yeah, very frustrating. Were you low in yourself? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I got very low and felt very depressed. Um, and that, but that is all part of a brain injury. Mm. Now that after I learned all about it, that frustration and depression are a normal part of a brain injury. The bleeds are dealt with or do they settle themselves? What happens there? Do you have to have surgery or anything? Or, or oh, no. they Nothing s- like that? Luckily, I, I had, didn't have any of that. They just settle themselves. Okay. What about the paralysis? How long did it take before that went? It gradually came back. Um it like didn't take too long. I was back on a horse um, a few months later because all I wanted to do was get back on a horse. And I did, but my eyesight wasn't as good as I expected when I was on the horse because then I realised I had a vertigo. So when I sat on the horse, I realised my eyesight was not as good as maybe I wish. In both eyes or one? My left eye. And the right was okay, wasn't it? The right it? was okay. So sometimes I used to put my hand over my left eye so that my right eye would focus better. How are you today? I am perfect today. You have it fully back? I'm 100%. What about the speech? My speech is very good. Sometimes if I get tired still after two and a half years of going through the whole thing, 
I can sometimes, yeah, if I'm tired, you can notice maybe I'll slur slightly. Yes. And work obviously had to happen. Rehabilitation. Did you go to rehab or what's, what was involved there? Because I had a brain injury in America and then I came home to Ireland, I hadn't, I didn't really, nobody really knew about it, support or what way to go about it. So I was kind of left, I, I didn't really know where to go or where to turn. And did you make this recovery on your own? A lot of it. Now, my parents were amazing and some of my friends and the whole lot. And the horses were really as well my therapy, even though I couldn't do so much with them. Just spending time with them was really good. And in the country kept me grounded. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Because there, you know, there are supports out there for people who suffer incidents like you did as well. But you virtually did it with your immediate family, friends and the horses. You obviously had that deeply ingrained in your mind that you were back with them so quickly. Yeah, I just wanted to get back in touch straight away with the horse. So you attribute a lot to them in your rehabilitation. Yeah, they were just so good and every minute I spent with them was just Mm. great and I felt that. Now, after having such a traumatic incident and time as this, you're a devil. You're back (laughs) on the horse as soon as you can. But what about going forward? Because I know you're back full (laughs) tilt now and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Is there concern, you know, if something happened to you again, if you got a similar incident or does that cross your mind or what's the take on that? No, I personally don't feel any, like I want to go ahead with all my horse riding activities. I am a little bit more conscious that I don't want to hit my head again uh, and things like that. So I have like my helmet that I wear and my Mm. safety, what I wear for, I would be more conscious maybe of where I'm going and what I'm doing on a horse. Yes, yes. But remember, it was through your feet, Susan, the last time that this (laughs) this shock happened. Anyway, please God, lightning will not strike twice in your case. Do you feel lucky? I am so grateful for everything and I'm so grateful that I had my accident because I have come back as a new person and I feel that I've been reborn. Has life changed? I've asked this many times to people who've come through a lot in their lives. What Was it a life-defining time for you? Yeah, my life has completely and utterly changed. In what way? What, what, what's your outlook now? I am... Nothing can stress me or I feel that I'm a better... I'm a better person. As a result. Yeah. Will you hear what's planned by Susan Oakes in the next while? She is remarkable. I want to head to a short break on late lunch. If you've anything to say, a comment to make, don't forget the numbers as usual. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. And our social media as well. We love to hear from you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, WhatsApp. We're there, LMFM Radio. We know you are too. Get in touch. Susan Oakes is with us on late lunch. And a month after she was with us last in 2016, her life changed forever as you've been hearing. Now the Camino is something that people love to do Susan and walk and walk aspects of it because it's a trail that actually goes from north to south in in Europe the whole thing. You're going to do the Camino now. 
Yes, I am. I've decided that I am going to ride the Camino side saddle from St. Jean-Pierre de Port as far as Finisterre, which is 899 kilometres. Precisely. She wouldn't even go to 900, <laughs> that one extra kilometre. 899 kilometres on a horse side saddle. Yeah. I, yes, I really want to raise awareness for two charities. So I thought this was the perfect thing to do. And I've always really, I've heard a lot about it, people doing the Camino and my mother has walked different parts of it and I really wanted to do it. Okay. And did you always intend doing it on a horse whenever you did it? Or was the walking on your mind at one stage? No, always on a horse. Maybe not always side saddle, but definitely always on a horse. Why wouldn't you just throw your leg over and do it, you know, the easy way, Susan? Because I think that when I'm going to raise money for a charity, I also have to put myself uh, to make it like, yeah, tougher, tougher. So you want to do this the, really tough, the to toughest do. way toughest for you. Way. That's it. You have how many horses going out to do this? I have four horses that will leave Ireland tomorrow. And will three others ride the other horses with you or what will happen? Yes. So my friend from France, Maud, she's going to ride the whole way, the whole 899 kilometres with me. But then people will join me along the way. So I have two spare horses that they can join me. That you just have to tag along with. It sounds simple, doesn't it? <laughs> Holy God, yeah. this takes organising. Yeah, it really does. And an awful lot of organising has gone in in the last few weeks. I can imagine because it's all right when you're walking and you have to get your accommodation at night and your food and everything. But when you have four four-legged friends with you as well. Yeah, it is a little bit like a wing and a prayer because not many people ride the Caminos on horseback. So it is a little bit more difficult because uh, we're not too sure where it's stabling and fields. But most farmers just to let open their gates and let let <laughs> us in, I hope. <laughs> you hope. My God, it's on a bit of a wing and a prayer, isn't it? I thought you'd have all the pit stops organised and that. Not so, no. Not all the way. Some of the way. Okay. But because we're not too sure how many kilometres we'll get done on different days, mm. we don't want to put ourselves under pressure to try and make it to different points. I love this. It really is. It's an adventure and a half, let me say. So you, where do you fly into? Like, tell me again where you start from. So we're starting in Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port, which is in France, and then we go over the Pyrenees into Spain and right over to the coast. God, I can just picture the, the the mountains and what you're going to encounter there as well. Absolutely marvellous. So there's yourself, some friends and the horses. How long is it going to take you? How long have you set aside for this? I have set aside three and a half weeks. So I'm hoping on average between 40 and 50 kilometres a day. We're only going to be doing it at walk to enjoy the scenery and the time and meet other pilgrims mm. along the way. Now, the charities you've chosen, we were talking to Father Michael earlier, isn't it <laughs> funny? He's leaving after 20 years and he wants to help people in the uh, Dundalk area. You want to help two charities as well. Who are they? I really want to raise awareness for Acquired Brain Injury Ireland and Spana. 
Uh, acquired Brain Injury Ireland, I want just for the rider rider's welfare and all equine. People don't maybe know that there's an amazing charity out there that you can be fully supported because an awful lot of people that ride horses get concussion and different things. And it's just to raise awareness on what's out there. OK, so that's Acquired Brain Injury Ireland. SPANA, what does that stand for? SPANA is supporting the working animals in the world. So donkeys, mules, horses and camels. And they're like the un- maybe the unforgotten uh, Things. They're like so important workforce. Uh, there's 200 million animals still in the world today that are that are used that work yeah. and are working animals. And these people, what are they? Ones that uh, concentrate on the welfare or what? What happens? Yeah, so they concentrate on the welfare. So they teach, train, and educate the people in the areas how to to work with the animals and better. look after and them. look after them. yeah Most because you know neglect of animals especially working animals is a shocking yes. shocking so they're into the education of the people who rely on working animals camels horses and donkeys in their daily lives yes I like that I never heard of them before <laughs> yeah. Spana, Spana is their name isn't that interesting so you're heading off tomorrow yeah, I'm heading off tomorrow. We just intercepted her before she <laughs> headed off on the Camino today. Isn't this even more fantastic? And then, of course, you're, you would never rest on your laurels. I remember the last time we talked, I said, oh my, oh my, how does this woman juggle all this? You're going into competition then after this. Yeah, so when I finish in Spain, I head back to France and I am um, the four horses that I'm bringing over are going to take part in um, the point-to-point races in France. Mm. With, uh, it's a ladies' side saddle race. OK, so that is coming up after that. The work has taken a back seat, has it, at the minute, the dental game, yes? Yeah, I'm going to... I'm just taking a little bit of time out. Yeah, at this minute in time. Yeah. And... Uh, in February of this year, you mentioned your mum and dad and your family. Sadly, your dad, Oliver, Oliver Oaks, he was so well known, he passed away. Yeah, it was a big shock, um, but he went very peacefully. Did he? Yes. But I'm sure you miss him immensely. Oh, I miss him so much. And that's why I really want to go as well and on the Camino and have time to reflect. Exactly. And it's a lovely, lovely place to reflect for people. Many people do it in the walking sense. But this woman is doing almost 900 (laughs) kilometres, just one short side saddle all the way and across the mountains as well between France and Spain. Incredible. I'm delighted to see you again today. And you really are fantastic what you've overcome. Well done to you. Thank you so much. Wish you well with the Camino. Shall we talk and see how you get on down the road later on in the year, please God. But for the moment, Susan Oakes, thank you so much for joining me on Late Lunch today. Thank you. Staying with sport, just a reminder, Trim GAA Lip Sync Fundraiser launch night is on in the Trim Clubhouse tomorrow evening, Thursday from 7 to 9. Teams will be introduced on the night and the main event is on Easter Sunday, the 21st of April. And rehearsals are going really well 
well. So it promises to be a great night on April 21st. And again, if you're about on Friday, Special Olympics are having their annual collection day and they're looking for volunteers to collect funds for them. So if you have a few hours to spare and are interested in helping them out, check it out on specialolympics.ie for more information. Jerry, my family members don't know that I have pulmonary hypertension. I loved listening to your first guest today. She has really given me hope. I was told at 24 years of age that I wouldn't see my 60th birthday and was refused life insurance since. Anyway, she's on to something because my results show I should have an oxygen tank. However, the doctors keep instructing me to keep doing whatever I'm currently doing, which is walking five miles a day because it's keeping me off the meds and oxygen tank for now. I'm looking forward to my 60th so as I can give the insurance companies the fingers. Thank you indeed for that comment from a listener to us this afternoon on Late Lunch. Louise, are you ready for it? Go on. Burger King. Did you hear about it? The I new love Burger King. V- Do you love Burger I King? I love Burger King. Would you prefer the Whopper to the Big Mac? Yes, I love a Whopper. Why? More tastier, I think. Yeah, no, no, definitely more tastier, I think, anyway. Bigger, I just... Yeah. Yeah, I no, think, I don't like Big I think Mac. the flame grill on the Whopper does give it that little extra kick. Minus well, listen the to this. <laughs> what? Minus the gherkins. Oh, no, you have to eat the gherkins. No, I hate gherkins. I love them. I can't believe that. I love them. No. I go round That's you off my if Christmas I'm ever list. in it's not that I'm in that often, but if I'm ever in a place mm-hmm. or even if it's taken in at home and people take them off. You see them taking the gherkins off, yeah. I go round and gather Everyone. them all up and eat them. Oh, you're that strange man that everyone That's reports. <laughs> that is me. I love the Gherkins on the burgers. You don't. Okay, well here's the news. Burger King have launched the vegan whopper. Totally vegan. Accepted by the vegan community. They love it. Everything that's in it suits them. There's not a bit in it that's anything odd or different. The vegan Whopper is going well in the United States and it's on its way to this part of the world. Ireland, Britain and Europe. The vegan Whopper coming very soon. Looks the same. Tastes, they say, the same. Would Would you you give it a go? I would. Give Anthony a go. Would you? But, having said that, Jerry, you, you know, you either do it or you don't. And... The chain say they're still going to put mayonnaise on it. Isn't be, that not vegan? It, oh no, it has to be. Well, well, they're saying it's not for vegans alone, so they're going to put mayonnaise on it. Well, they'll have to probably have two categories of it then, won't they? They'll have to have the totally vegan one and the other with the with the mayo on it. But anyway, that's the news from the states. Let's see when it comes here. Uh, what it's it like? Be cheaper, dearer. Hmm. Interesting. We'll watch this space and see what happens as well. But there you are, Burger cheese. King, looking after. What the are you vegans. going to have it? Just lettuce. You can't have cheese. Lettuce. Gherkins. Onion. Tomato. Gherkins. Gherkins. No tomato ketchup. <laughs> There's probably something in the gherkins that they're preserved in that vegans <laughs> wouldn't gherkins have. Sauce. So you know yourself, they probably wouldn't have it. But there you go. It's go down a bomb in the, the USA at the minute. The we'll have courgette to, chips or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to give it a go for sure when it comes here. Do you like an old burger now and again? Yeah. Yeah, but I've kind of switched. I love turkey burgers and turkey sausages now. Do you? Mm, love them. They're lovely. I've Very had tasty. them, but I think the, to be honest with you now, the turkey sausage was a bit dry. Do you think so? Ah. I actually got both chicken and turkey last week, thinking the chicken would be nicer with more flavour. Yeah. And the turkey was actually the winner in our house. In a burger? 
Oh, the sa- no, but the sausages. Sausages. But the, I still, you know, you think that the chicken sausage would still be. Mm. What about chicken and turkey burgers? You know, the mince from those. Have you ever tried those? How do you mean the mince? You, you just... know, you can mince chicken meat or oh, mince yeah, turkey yeah, yeah. meat and make a burger. I think they're a bit dry. I think that's the only thing about them, you know. Uh, no for garbage. me, I have to say, I might try the vegan burger, but to be honest with you, it's beef to the heel here all the way, to be honest with you. Now, I don't eat a lot of red meat in my life. I eat some, but I like it from time to time. And I love a burger now and again. I'd love if there's, there's not a really a Burger King nearby here. There's one on the motorway, isn't there? Yeah, as you travel, yeah. the set down mm-hmm. area is there. I remember we used to drive to Dublin. I said this before with our children to get a Big Mac to get a burger from McDonald's. All the way to Dublin? Yeah, there was one in Fibsborough and there was one in the city centre and one somewhere else. That's all there was in Ireland. There was none in uh, the northeast. There was no not, McDonald's. Wouldn't like That's a, few a burger years ago. from the Valley Cafe or something oh, like that. Oh, you'd have your local one. But that time, you know, McDonald's had come to Ireland. Wow, they were here. We have to go and enjoy them. We used to drive, yeah, drive to Fibsborough to have for our burger. Like Imagine that. Dunkin' Donuts that they're all going to now. <laughs> yeah. Are they still around, Dunkin' Donuts? I don't know. I haven't been. No, haven't tasted them. I don't think there was a big hole for our about. Yeah, I don't think they're Christmas. here anymore. They used to be here. They used to be they're nice. Gone already. I think they're gone. No, that was. It's not Dunkin' Donuts. What's you're that thinking one about? Then that's just opened before Christmas that everybody was queuing. Crispy, crispy cream. Is oh, that what I'm thinking? Is that what you're there thinking you go. about? Must huh? be the crispy creams. Oh my God! Uh, there's somebody uh, onto us. It's Ella. She says uh, I'm allergic to gluten, and I still would choose the regular Whopper over the vegan Jerry. Well, there you are. Somebody has a view on it already. Yeah, Krispy Kreme. Are they still there? Well, I haven't heard about the queues since, but mm. remember there was serious queues for Christmas because oh everybody in the world was they were killing each other night, noon, and morning. Should people couldn't get sleep beside the Krispy Kreme place? It was that busy. But Dunkin' Donuts, I think, are gone. I don't think they're mm, on. Sorry, the that was my mistake. They're not here anymore. Shows how much I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Nothing. we're heading to a break of the afternoon and hopefully Dick Coombs will join us to talk about the arrivals from Africa. Jerry Martin, me fishing buddy, was in touch from Sligo this morning to tell us that the swallows have arrived at Flynn's Bay on Loch Arrow. We'll be there the weekend for sure. The swallows are in. Hope there's a few brownies knocking about the weekend also. So Loch Arrow, the swallows arrived. Mentioned at the top of the show, we've had reportings of swallows seen in Kells today. What's the story countrywide? Dick Coombs is coordinator of the Countryside Bird Survey with Birdwatch Ireland and he's on the line. Afternoon, Dick. Good afternoon, how are you? Yeah. I'm good, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, thanks for joining me on the show. Anyway, uh, Loch Arrow, Sligo, Kells, near to us here on the East Coast. Did they come in, did they hit the East Coast first or does it work that way? Well, they come up from the south, as, as most people know. They spend the winter in, in Africa, I mean, right down at the southern tip of Africa. So they've a, a long old journey, so they've, they've been travelling for months. In fact, they spend most of their lives travelling to and from uh, the, their summer and winter grounds. Uh, but they feed on the wings, so that's fine. You know, they can they can catch insects as they go along, so they don't have to have big, long stopovers anywhere. But um, they, they tend to hit the country. You'd expect them all to be in Cork or Wexford at the same time, but they come in on quite a broad front. And, in fact, I saw one myself, my first one of the year. Uh, I live near Greystones in County Wicklow, and I saw one just coming in off the sea on Saturday, just a few days ago, just squeeze it into March. But... You know, they don't hang about. Once they hit the coast, they just keep on. If you ever watch swallows, they're constantly in the air. So, you know, they would push on inland. Now, Loch Arrow is fairly far north, and that was that was an interesting record, all right. But they, you know, they, they don't hang about. They they will cover the ground. wouldn't be anything for them to cover, you know, 50, 60 miles in, in a few hours. Yeah. Uh, they could fly as easily at 30 miles an hour. 
So these are the early arrivals, the very early ones, with the cold snap of weather we're having. having, You know, they rely, as we know, on insect life uh, to survive. It's a bit of a fractious time for them. Oh, it sure is, yeah. I was thinking, I was actually feeling sorry for them today because they're they're close relative. The the sand martin, you know, the sand martin and the house martin are very closely related to, to swallows. There's a lot of they tend to come in about about two weeks earlier. They often by Paddy's Day you'd get uh, sand martins coming in. But I was watching a flock of about eighty sand martins yesterday down on the Wicklow coast, and I just thinking about them this morning. There were two or three swallows in with them, but I was just thinking about them this morning and the Arctic conditions. It does to answer your question. Yeah, it's it's it, uh, they depend on airborne insects and you know warm weather. The insects are flying around. Cold weather much harder work. So. Not only will they be losing energy uh, in the colder weather, but they use up a lot more energy looking for more flies. But they're they're, they're very adept at it and have good eyesight and big open mouths to, to catch them. Uh, but hopefully they'll survive. Yeah, these are really the first swallows, um, you know, the first stragglers, the first uh, courageous ones that made that leap a bit earlier. Uh, but the, the big flood will happen now in the next uh, the next ten days. We'll see the, the big masses coming in. So they'll arrive then. So these are sort of the advanced party that are with us. And you mentioned swallows, martins, of course. Are swifts here yet or are they slightly later? No, swifts are surprisingly uh, uh, consistent on the date they arrive. I mean, usually around the 2nd, 3rd, 4th of May. They're later. Much later, much mm. later on. They're not actually related to to the uh, except that they're a bird they're not related to the to the martins and swallows they're very different kettle of fish but they they only come uh, for may and they 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 leave at the end of july so they're one of the if not the shortest uh stayer of all the summer migrants we get they come much later um but they they just suddenly arrive en masse uh, around about the first second third or fourth of may and the thing, Dick, just yes, just back to the swallows and swifts, right, they're a little bit later. Do they come back to the exact area where they were hatched or their parents were in previous years? Yeah, there's a, there's a, it's, it's a well-known, a lot of studies have been done with them that, you know, some some will make their way back to the, uh, to the same spot. But it's, it's one of those, it's often a very good example to uh, explain how, how, how tough, if you like, nature is. If you think about two swallows nesting in a barn up in Donegal and they might have three broods of, say, four chicks each. So say there's 12 or 14 or 15 birds in uh, September heading back to Africa. Uh, literally just two of those are likely to survive. Of all of those birds, maybe one adult and one juvenile will survive to the following year. That's the, the brutality of it. You know, they'll, they'll, be, uh, they'll die on migration. They'll be preyed upon by falcons or whatever. But it makes sense that if the population is to be stable, that's all you all you need at the end of it is two birds to start the whole thing over again. Mm. So of those, you'll probably get one of the one of the young, maybe, or one of the adults will make their way back to the, to the exact same, uh, not only the same farm and the same barn, but they're known to even go to, to nest in the exact same little spot on the on the beam in the barn. It's amazing, really. It's fantastic story. I have to say it is. If people see them, can they help you or Birdwatch by reporting sightings of them arriving? Oh, they could certainly certainly just give us a quick buzz here in, in Birdwatch, uh, or you know they'll find us in the book or, or email us or, or there's, there's you know there's various uh, social media ways of getting in touch. It's only only for the first few weeks. I mean, after that we'll be inundated with them. But for, you know, for the next week or so, it'll be interesting certainly because we can we can plot the arrival times of them all. You know. Yeah, great stuff, Dick. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. No, 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 Thanks no, for no, taking no, the call.
Bye bye, bye bye. That's Dick Coombs there, uh, coordinator of the Countryside Bird Survey from Birdwatch. So you have it there. They are arriving. If you see them, do let us know. We love to hear from you. Yes, Jerry, crispy creams. I had them last week and they're yummy. Ross WhatsApped us to say, have to agree with you, Jerry, regarding the Gherkins. A Big Mac without them is like Christmas without Santi. I love it, Ross. I'm with you all the way on that one there. Anyway, that's a lot on late lunch for midweek Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow, Thursday. Eddie's coming next with The Drive. And we'll say goodbye to you in the company of the Steve Miller Band. See you tomorrow, 1.30. Some people call me the Space Cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the Gangster of Love. Cause I speak of the pompatists of love People talk about me, baby Say I'm doing you wrong, doing you wrong Well, don't you worry, baby, don't worry Cause I'm right here I'm a grinner, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. I play my music in the sun. I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight toker. I sure don't want to hurt no one. I'm a picker, I'm a grinner, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. My music in the sun I'm a joker I'm a smoker I'm a midnight toker I get my loving on the run Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.